You're listening to The Tuesday Club with Sean and Kyle. Hello, it's Tuesday. That means Tuesday Club brought to you by our kind sponsor this week, the Brit Pub in Carmarthen and Buffoon Film and Media, our media partners. I'm Sean Holly, and with me is my co-host Kyle Reese. And I'm delighted to say we've got a very special guest. I'm I'm so glad I got this fella on, Kyle, because uh, we go back a long, long way. I'd like to think we're good mates. Uh, we work together. So he's seen me. Well, he's seen the good side of me, and he's probably seen the bad side of me. So uh, not a lot of people get to, to see that. It's uh, Mr. Joe Lewis. How are you, Joe? I'm very good, thanks, mate. Very good. Very good. Mate, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the build up because uh, uh, thanks very much for coming on. For those who don't know Joe, you know Joe. I would suppose you would know Joe now if you watch England rugby play because when the camera pans to Eddie Jones, the head coach. Joey's the man right in front of him, nodding or shaking his head or showing him something. <laughs> Joey's the head analyst for the England rugby team. And not just that, uh, I worked with him at the Ospreys and at the Scarlets. And uh, he does an amazing, amazing job. So first of all, Joe, how on earth did you become, as a proud Welshman from Mid Wales, how on earth did you become the head analyst for England rugby? Time, time in here, yes, mate. Time in. I was, um, no, it's... It, uh, you would know from when we work together, like I've always had an aspiration to work in international level. And, you know, I think anyone, anyone does the job, you know, same thing with you with coaching. I mean, when you coach Wales and, you know, obviously as a prior Welshman, you'd want to work with, with your, you know, your home union, if you will. But I was working uh, up at um, the FA with, uh, with Reese Long. He took me there with him and um, uh, this job came up. Um, the, the head analyst at the time, Simon Barber, left and opportunity arose and off I went. Too good opportunity. I know, as like you say, as a proud Welshman, it, it's the question now all the time. Like, yeah, no, but you're going to get it now, coming up, yeah. especially from the, the biggest Welsh fan uh, in Wales. I, I was just about least. to say, I was really, really excited. Um, I was just going to introduce you. Well, what on earth are you doing working for the enemy is, is my question. <laughs> you know, as I've got that tattooed on my chest and... You know, I remember telling uh, my dad once, oh, I had a weird dream last night, Dad, that I played for England, uh, you know, and it was an actual dream I had, but I I was shook to the core. How do you do it, man? How do you live with yourself? <laughs> uh, we're professionals and we, we, you know, we uh, we do what we need to do. And, and it, it, you know, it is it is funny, but like, uh, Sean, like, profess this, like, you sell yourself to it. I mean, like, um, I'm really proud to work for England, um, you know, Every win, even some of the people question, like, is important. You know, like the, the age old thing, or, you know, when Wales beat England, are you happy about it? I'm like, no, I'm not happy about it because I'm going to have to go and sift through all, <laughs> all, all the different reasons why. And it's, it's just difficult. I mean, like, 2019 Six Nations uh, in Cardiff, unbelievable stadium, as we all know. Like, and places erupted, you know, Wales just beat England and uh, within 10 minutes of the full-time whistle, I had 67 WhatsApp messages calling me all sorts of profanities. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it comes with the territory, I guess, but no, nah, like, I love it. Like, I absolutely love it. And, you know, great team, great bunch of boys, great coaches. You know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating job, but yeah. So not only have you worked 
working for the England rugby team. You've worked for the England football team as well. We're, we're rapidly losing followers, Welsh followers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's got Joe. There's got to be part of you that's go on. Go on. Yeah. You go. You go. Well, the first ten years of my career, if you will, was 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 in Wales. So it's uh, you know, I'm still a proud Welshman. Always will be. Always have been. You know, and that'll never change. It's just you say we're professionals. We we've got yeah. a job to do. And, you know, I like to think that you know I'm uber professional with a cheeky edge as Sean will know but like uh, yeah yeah absolutely I've got a cracking um, photo I'll come to that later on I've got a cracking photo of Joe that I'm going to post on our Instagram because uh, sums him up lovely but <laughs> for those people who don't we'll go into the England stuff in a minute but for those people listening who are avid rugby fans Joe but they you know they don't know too much about the analysis like, give us a, a typical working week for, for the, the the head analyst of the, of the England rugby team yeah, so the, the working week differs very much so when you're in camp to um, outside of camp, you know, but like one thing that Eddie sort of um, got us to take charge of is, you know, making sure obviously all meeting content is correct. It's actually something that's really important. We drive a lot of it through, um, you know, different styles of learning. Um, you know, he's very succinct in the way he wants the messages to be passed through the team, never allowed any more than three messages per meeting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, Mine and um, Kaz's main role during the week would be to make sure all meeting content and all information, um, like playbook, game plan, all that sort of stuff, is presented in in such a way that's like easy for everyone to understand. Because you know, it's like you're dealing with people who've got different backgrounds, different learning styles, different uh, you know mediums on how they take information on. So you know, our, our main job in the week is to work as closely as we can with the uh, assistant coaches and Eddie himself. <clears throat> to make sure all the information is 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 pushed out in a you know um a sort of like well four or five different mediums really so we'll try video we try audio things we've got you know we do a lot of stuff with infographics at the moment we found generation z you know people don't read anymore do they so it's like everything's got to be picked you know instagram the world of it you know we know what it's like so yeah. we try and do a lot of things now to sort of like push the stuff to the players through through imagery because you know and you, you can it's funny it's amazing you can't the, the amount of things you can actually do with with an image you know it's, it's you get a message through interesting you say that um it's so true i mean it's been so long since i caused i was calling them generation y you're calling them already generation z i'll <laughs> tell you something but um, i think i might have told kyle this before but at bristol what we try to do is any any slides that we were using, Joe, um, because in the team room, they always had Sky Sports on. I, I got the analyst to put the Sky Sports color scheme and swoosh yep. as, as the sort of template, you know, because it was subliminally, they thought maybe, oh, I've seen this sort of thing before. And any stat sheets were in the form of Call of Duty stat yep. sheets. You know what I mean? So they're like, hang on. Because yeah. <laughs> well, you flick those things up to players, and they don't—they, you know, they—they bored. You know, they don't retain the information, do they? We, you know, we we've seen. Uh, so, Kaz, my my number two, like he's massive into learning and psychology and stuff like that. So, he went and uh, met a couple of learning specialists. He's gone to Google. He's gone all these different places to sort of gather loads of different information. You know, and and our team room and our learning room, because it's not called an analysis room anymore. We call it a learning room. Because, you know, it's not just analysis that you're there to learn. That's what they get paid to do. So it's, you know, it's, we, we try and find little different ways to, to, to get them to, to take on and retain information. Yeah. Gone are the days we have, you know, 70-page playbooks. That's gone. 
like we do infographics now, which is, you know, biggest bang for your buck. So you talk about the lineup, for instance, you know, what are the three fundamentals that, that give England their, their dominant lineup, for instance, that sort of stuff. So it's a, that, that would be the sort of main crux of the, of the work that we do in the week. And, you know, obviously still do the original stuff like film training and fly drones now, like that's, that's all evolved over the last sort of five years. So we have, you know, you have to be a, um, a trained pilot. So I can fly anything up to 20 kilos, I think it is. But, you know, the, the one we've got is like five kilos, it's tiny. Um, it's never crashed. Six, six, um, six more weeks training with Sean Ollie and you'll be able to fly me now. I'll be 20 kilos. <laughs> hey, listen, no, I, one of the things I love, we talked about it before, um, is, you know, you get all the documentaries now coming out with professional sports teams and especially the Lions and the All Blacks ones. I love all those scenes where you've got like people like yourself in the back room giving those talks and, and, and doing the analysis. And one of the things I wanted to ask is how, how, how are the pressures for you because you're at the pinnacle of an international team in England. It's, you know, England are up there with all time being one of the best teams in international rugby. How do you deal with the pressures of that, if there are any? Uh, the, the, I think it's like with any any sort of job, there's, there's pressure with everything, isn't it? But like, it's, I think, again, Sean, you'll be able to sort of profess this. Is like the, the biggest thing I find, especially doing the role I do, is it's actually connection you have with the coaching, like the coaching staff. That's where the pressure comes from. It's not from anywhere else. It, pressure yeah. comes from yourself. I mean, in the day, like, <clears throat> you know, does Eddie work as hard? Yes, he does. But like, he's he's demanding because he wants perfection. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. But he gives you freedom to speak your mind. He gives you freedom to to put forward new ideas. Um, be curious. Be innovative. So, like, I think the pressure part comes from yourself, really. And I think by having a good relationship with someone, there's no, we have a thing that you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. No, you know, sometimes you live in, you know, you work in an uncomfortable situation, but, you know, through relationships and things like that, and being candid and, and open, you can have those sort of robust conversations. And actually, then there is no pressure then. Yeah. Do you know I mean, I'm not sure if that makes sense, but it's. No, yeah, it does. It's, it, for me, largely me. And I'm not, not everyone's the same, but like, the way I like to work and operate is, is through a relationship, understanding that person, understanding that coach. So like when I work with Sean, you know, trying to align with his thought process, understand the way he sees the game. So therefore then I can be the most effective analyst for him, but also then bring a little bit of myself. So then that, that's what then you start, you know, that's where the relation, the key relationship. Um, so I remember this. So if Jimba Galway, you and me went out for a beer in Galway, Always remember Galway, mate. And, um, you know, I think that was probably the first. Like, I, I picked his brain about how, you know how we saw the game. What did he feel was important? What's our training about? I hadn't been there long ago. I think it was like third game of the season. And, um, you know, and that's then you can start building on that. Then you can so the trust element can come then. Because if a coach trusts you implicitly, then well, you know that's half the battle. Spot on, mate. Spot on. The other thing with Joe is that. Like I would have, I would have invited him out for a beer, and he probably three weeks in would have thought, "Hang on, the coach is taking me out," you know. And, but my mentality would have been the same, you know. Our work was pretty much done until game, until the game starts, and then for Joe, when the game starts. Well, that's the second part of his week. You know, we'll ask him about that now. Then it's it's just batten down the hatches, you know, until it's all done. But you know, I think it's really important and what Joe's really clever at doing, and this is what I'm going to come on to with Eddie Jones, is he's very clever at nurturing those relationships. It's interesting what you say, Joe, about, um, 
you know, the, our working environment in professional rugby, a lot of fans out there wouldn't understand how harsh it can be, how abrupt and, and to the point to each other we can be. You know, we're still mates, still work colleagues, but we say it as it is, and there can be a lot of upset. And anybody with any sort of sensitivity or don't understand it could probably be offended or would shy away and, and not come through in those situations. But, you know, I would imagine when you see Eddie, for most of us who see Eddie, I'm lucky I've met him. For those of us who see him in press conferences and on the TV, he comes across as a little bit rude, sometimes a little bit abrupt, sometimes arrogant. But I imagine for you, there's a lot of firefighting, uh, bullet taking, but then you see the good, the bad and the ugly. Yeah, I think even the last play, that like, he's not arrogant. That's the best thing, I think. Like, knowing the man, and I know it's the perception of, of perhaps what's out there, but, um, like, he's a genius, really. I mean, he works hard. Um, you know, he demands a lot from his staff, which is, which is, which is right, because he wants to be the best. Oh, sorry, the dogs. We all got dogs. No, no. Um, but, you know, like... He's fascinating. Like I say, he is challenging, but, but, but that's right because, again, it's his, it's his pursuit for perfection. You know, World Cup final, I'm sure we'll get there in a minute, but, like, World Cup, you know, the very next day, we all had a one-to-one and, you know, he thanked us all for everything. And But then, you know, within a week, we're back on it now. Right, four years, let's go. You know, and it's... And that's the... He never stops. He's curious about the game. He's curious about learning. He's curious about himself. He's curious about coaching. Even now, at like sixty years old, he's he's still as curious as he was when he was, you know, he said this himself when he was in his thirties. I mean, and, and that's the one thing that I think that people won't get to see from him. I mean, he's got a wicked sense of humour as well. Um, boys love him, like absolutely love him because. Do they? Yeah, because you know, like I say, he's he's a funny bloke. It, like he is, he's he's got lots of funny little quirks and things like that. So it's, you know, but yeah, the biggest thing for me is is, is curiosity. He's always curious about so like for instance now we, you know we're looking at um well we've just looked at the super rugby um competition that's just happened now and you know we have weekly meetings and then right what are you see and where do you see the game going and he's asking these sort of poignant questions all the time just because the game never stands still it, it comes in cycles you know yeah the attacking cycle is going to start now but then come world cup the defensive cycle starts you know what it's like yeah but it never stands still and he never stands still and that's that's probably the biggest thing um, that you've got to take from him is that every day is different. You're right about cycles, man. I start. I watched all of the Super Rugby and I'm, we started up the Guinness Pro 14 in the Premiership last week. There's a couple of plays I'm starting to think are going to come back soon. I'm seeing those gaps in the defence, you know? Yep. I'm seeing the way the defences are behaving. I'm thinking, some, you know those sort of things yep. I mean. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with, there's no need to reinvent the wheel, you know? The wheel was there, right? Rugby's a simple game. It, it is, man. I'm thinking, hang on. Some of those, old, those old chestnuts are coming back. I can see them. I can see them working. You know, I really could. But uh, so we're going to get there. I know Kyle's got a couple of questions, but World Cup final, man. I was in Japan. I didn't get. I didn't get to the final. I'm going to ask you about that. But Kyle's like a school kid holding his hand up. He's got some impressing. I just, I just before we go on to the World Cup final, I wanted to ask a question about the semi final. Because there is, it's very rare that you see any team beat the All Blacks the way you beat them in that semi-final. So I'm, I'm just wondering, were you the mastermind then behind that <laughs> absolutely epic win? Because 
you know, I, I was I was in Kansas City at the time, so I was up at like three in the morning or whatever it was watching it, and I just remember sitting there going, "Hang on, I had a pinch myself." I'm walking up here in England, absolutely demolishing the All Blacks, and I was just, you know, fair play to you and the rest of the team, the coaching staff. But that was that was a his, even though you know whatever happened after that went on, but that was a historical win. You know, I know that England have beat the All Blacks before and in Twickenham a few years ago when they all had a stomach bug, apparently. But you know that what was the, what was that week like for you? Because you know it was. A, it was amazing. Like, like I that game, I was chat, actually chatting to Casper the other week, so that'll still go down in history as the greatest game I've ever been involved in. Like, it was just, it was ridiculous. Like, but the, the, the best thing about it wasn't, like, it all started in Oita, then like sort of seven days earlier, when you know we had Australia in the quarterfinal and and um, you know we had, we have a coaches meeting as per you know normal. We you know we meet on the on the Friday for the game to be on the Saturday. We'll meet on the Friday and then talk about, you know, Ireland all backs, you know, look at the, the sort of finite details of if one wins or the other. But then that's when it all started. Eddie basically said, what's the main episode we've got to deal with? How do we take it away? And that's as simple as it was. And then we just had an in-depth conversation on how. And then the best part of the whole thing was nobody gave us a chance. You know, the press was like, nah, greatest all backs team in the world I've seen, blah, blah, blah. But, it, you know, in... In, in our meeting room and you know all around there was just a great buzz about um um you know a buzz around the place that we all we all just knew you know you ask anyone in the management team are we going to win today and every single one of them went yeah you just have you know that feeling you get sometimes yeah. just like everything had gone right we trained really well um you know the other thing like, like eddie managed the media really well like put all the pressure back on the all backs and you know, it was, it was it was for them in the end to beat us. You know, because we were confident. Yeah. You know, it was ah, epic week. Mental. Can I can I ask Joe off the back of that then before we get to the final? Mm-hmm. And I, and it's not in hindsight of playing South Africa, but were you praying Wales would win the semi final? Well, that's a funny one because I've had a few. I've had different moments. I've had somewhere it's like imagine going to World Cup final and playing Wales. You know, like I think everyone is hoping for it though. Your first Northern yeah. Hemisphere final, that'd have been brilliant, wouldn't it? I, I mean, I gotta be honest, I was one of the ones thinking as much as I would have loved to have seen Wales in a World Cup final, I think we would have been battered in the final. You know, we were battered in the semi final physically. How on earth we stayed in it and still could have won it? Mm-hmm. You know, I just feel England would have been too much for us in the final I, I really do as it was South Africa's physicality if anything else proved the difference would you say in the World Cup definitely definitely and you know they, they stuck to their model they never they never um, deferred away from you know they got strength in numbers um, basically they, their whole ethos was to win as many battles as they that they call them battles so every collision was a battle scrum line out to battle Every carry tackles a battle, so to win as many battles as they possibly can—that was kind of their their psyche. And yeah, they never could sort of deferred away from what they were good at. And I think that was something that that you know, and we didn't. To be fair, it just the final is one of them days that I think all of us are trying to forget now for a while. But um, so close, mate, so close. And uh, you know, you got to say, margins, it's all about margins, isn't it? Like small little things, and you know, losing sinks early doors. And I'm, I'm not saying that's the reason we lost the final. Yeah. Oh, not, big thing, though. Yeah, not scoring five minutes before half time after attack, you know, 
smashing their line for four minutes. Yeah. Big moments. You mean, but it just wasn't our day. Wasn't our day. Well, you're into another four-year cycle. Um, COVID has obviously hit us all. Uh, I can imagine, I've listened to a few Eddie Jones podcasts, and um, he's he's pretty honest and open. To be fair, Eddie, I've met him a few times, and he is that. You're right, but you know, I can imagine there's been a whole lot of planning going on in the back room, Zoom calls and meetings, and meeting with players and selection thoughts, coaching process stuff. And when eventually you get back up and running, you know, England is still going to be in a very very strong position. So. If we're going to have a bet, me and Kyle, now, if we put a fiver on England for the next World Cup, I would. I never, I never, <laughs> bet, never bet against Wales in my life, and I don't intend on starting to now just because we got the Joe Lewis on. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> that was an easy, that was an easy wind up, that one. Absolutely <laughs> easy. So let's go back. Um, let's go back to a bit of analysis, mate. So, uh, you know, for, for those who don't know, the second part of Joe's week would be game day, and his team would be what we call code in the game. So it's basically, Joe, isn't it? All the coaches have their different areas, instances, individual moments, player, team, unit, whatever it is. And and your team would code all those things. So it makes it easier for the coaches to watch and break down. And that generates a lot of statistical information that you can use for trends, isn't it? And, and you do that during the game, don't you? Yep, yep. So like live, we kind of do it a little bit different now. Um, so live, so basically the gone, gone of the days, you know, with us, and it still happens now, but like each coach has a laptop and everything is, you know, we want them to engage in what's happening in front of them as much as possible. So me and Kaz are the only two who have laptops in the box now. So like, um, I take care of sort of like game trends, uh, you know, various bits and pieces and set piece. And then Kaz is more sort of attack focused and kicking game. So like, he's looking for certain things. Uh, I look for certain things, we feed him in. And then we also have like statistical information like popping through generating, you know, Eddie likes, Certain things during the game, but largely most of the statistical data stuff will get done post-match, like you know, like traditionally as it always has done. But um, you know, in test matches, we have a, a like a checklist. We we create me and Kaz created a checklist that things that we've sort of predicted that might come in the week and things we've seen, and then in the first twenty minutes, because that's it's a game of chess. First twenty minutes, isn't yeah. It? It's, yeah. Um, you know, how many of the checklists? Are they trying to do? Is the kick space that we want? Is it there? Yes, yes, yes. Feed it in. You know, Eddie, their backfield's changed. Um, we may need to go to kick X or whatever it might be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's it's sort of we you know we do use statistical data, but predominantly now in match, it's about game plan effectiveness changes. That's that's yeah. tends to be how, how we kind of go around with it now. Post match and is, is as was Sean. It's like, you know, we, we have a team of analysts back um, back at base code and all the basic information, you know, carries, pass, tackle, all that sort of stuff. And then myself and Kaz then do a more sort of detailed system analysis. So I look after defense and set piece, Kaz I look after attack. So defensive, then, you know, I'll give Mitch, um, you know, set analysis. We look at you know, how we set line speed, variabilities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll sort of give them that detailed information. Kaz will do the same for attack, um, which will form, you know, formally our report. Because you remember the old reports used to do, like, like four oh, God, pages. Yeah. Oh, so four we, we pages. do one page, one page now. Mate, I can't wait until we can meet up, have a cup of coffee, and you can show me the things. I know you're keeping a couple of things close to your chest, and you've got to, I know that, but I know you'll show me as well, because that's right up my street. I had a little giggle to myself then, because you were talking away. I had an image in my head 
um, of Eddie when Eddie and you were sat there in the box. And he's got his headphones on, Kyle. Have you seen him? He's got this massive button there. Have you seen it? <laughs> this is old school coaches now, right? When they get the techie stuff, even something like pressing a button to talk into a radio, he's got to have a big button to talk like. So it's like the Eddie button. It, it, Joe? It's yeah. like the Eddie button. It's massive. It's like that. It's like a big button. So that... He touches it and then speaks. Right? And it reminded me of, uh, it's, this is old school. When I worked with Andy Robinson, the old England-Scotland coach at Bristol, I used to run all the radio, as Joey knows. I, I'd like one voice in the radio and it, and it would be me. So for some reason, um, in a particular game, Robbo, Robbo wanted to do it. He took over. And it, it was funny because he had a walkie-talkie, right? And he was going, Mark, tell Sam that he must tackle lower over. <laughs> <laughs> he's at the top of the stand and asked to get everyone can hear him anybody 10,000 in there everyone can hear him and he's saying over Roger all this sort of stuff. <laughs> it's a funny thing and I see Eddie now with this big button I think oh tech, technophobe you know mm-hmm. we're on the Bluetooth headsets now you look, you look, Eddie does love technology you know we have different watches different phones and whatnot. he does love technology but... ah funny Funny, funny. So um, well, let, let's change tack a little bit, Joe. We'll just find out a little bit more about uh, the man himself. Um, you're a family man, you know. You uh, you spent your life growing up there in uh, well, Mid Wales, isn't it? Perth Wells. Perth Wells, uh, Royal Wells Show and so on. So you've had the right upbringing and uh, you've, you've done so well for yourself. Very proud of you, son. Very proud of you. What, uh, what does Joe Lewis do in his spare time? Because he doesn't have much. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, basic stuff really. Like I, I spend a lot of time with the kids, obviously. Um, walking this bloody dog. Um, I listen to a lot of music. Put, yeah, music's quite important to me, um, especially in camp. Camp, it's huge. So like the end of an evening, um, you know, in camp, you you know, you work through till eleven o'clock, etc., etc. I'll go to my room and just put some music on just to chill out for a bit. Watch films, box sets. Various bits and pieces. I tend to watch like box sets I'll put on in the background, usually things I've seen before, because then it's just sort of running, but you don't have to concentrate too much. But um, <laughs> like, I, I, I like suits. I watched it all, right? Uh, and then I just I basically started all over again. Oh, man, I've watched it. I've watched it three times as well. It's probably one of my favorite TV series ever. Do, do we want to be Harvey Specter or what? Oh my god, I want to be Harvey Specter. I want to be Mike Ross. I want to be all of them. They just they they all live that lifestyle. I know it's glamorized because it's TV. Hang and on, it... hang on. Go on. I got it. Mike Ross. Joe can be Mike Ross. I'll be Harvey Specter. You Don't you dare tell me. How did I know that one was coming? Oh, Lewis Litt is the is the most memorable character from that show, and everybody loves him. So you forget about Harvey Specter. You just got lit up, didn't you? You just got, you lit, just up. got lit up, yeah. And my mate, my mates actually got the mug that you can order them on Amazon. Um, nice. but, but like, yeah, generally like you know normal stuff like, like you know Friday nights outside of camp, uh, spend chilling with two of my mates in his garage drinking beer. We tend to have like a little beer, beer club. We'll buy like four or five each and then um buy four or five more <laughs> world of beers so just like now like yeah so it's your your responsibility to buy five different beers bring them to the and we just talk shit basically <laughs> <laughs> well you you mentioned their music music's a, a, a big part of my life as well but 
if you know you said when you, you go back and you chuck some music on what's the first t- three songs the top three songs on on the playlist that you'd stick on um i like dermot kennedy at the moment um like the same with music here what i love i love finding people nobody's heard of okay so i was listening like listening about two years ago and like he's relatively unknown then which is great but like his song boston um and uh Without fear, probably those two are good. I listen to a lot of J- a guy called James Gillespie. Uh, he's again relatively unknown. Um, a band called Need to Breathe. They're American sort of alternative rock band, but like um, you're not traditional rock band, but basically like you know they're kind of unheard of over here. But the the lead singer um, uh, Bea Reinhardt, he's like he's got the voice. His voice is ridiculous. So it's just you know. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, nothing too sort of, you know, um, out there. But yeah, I like listening to all, all sorts of different things. Really. You have to send us a playlist, mate. Send us a playlist. On, uh, well, funny enough, when, when I got the dog, um, I started um, a walking the dog playlist. Um, and it's, yeah, it's like um, me and my friend, obviously, like this as I shared it with them. And, um, but it currently sits now with about 750 songs in there, just like random shit. If I like a song, boom, I chuck it in there. <laughs> and so, you know, I'll usually just stick that on in the background on shuffle and just do it that way. Awesome. That sums up Joey's personality there, gotta say. What about films, man? What's your, what would be uh, in oh, your top? Anything top with films? Denzel in, anything with Denzel. He's a legend. Is it? Oh, good shit. Like Training Day, Equalizer, those, like, he's just, yeah, he's the only film of his that I haven't liked is the Book of Eli, but I think it's just a little bit too highbrow for me. I loved that. I thought it was brilliant. I thought the score was brilliant as well. Um, tell you did the score for that. You might know him because I don't think that many people know him in the UK. Is uh, Nine Inch Nails? Oh, yeah, 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 they they yeah. they scored a lot of that film and uh, and it was brilliant. But anyway, that's that's my two pence with the. Yeah. But I, I'd Denzel. say the Training Days for my favourite film. Yeah, it's a great yeah, film. Have you seen that, Sean? Yeah, I have. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, normally I'll guess say a couple of films I've never heard of because I'm not a massive film buff. Is anything outside of um, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, or Shawshank Redemption? Then I'm struggling, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm I'm, a, I'm an expert on Transformers and the Marvel comic films because the kids watch them, you know, and I've had to go and watch all then. I like um, anything. If, if I'm not watching sort of like an action movie, it'd be sort of like any comedy with like Will Ferrell and you know, it's just yeah. But I do like I do like Tom Hanks. I think Tom Hanks is class. I, I gotta be honest. I think he's just he's just an all round good guy, isn't he? But um, hey, we normally ask our guests, Jimmy, um, who would play them in a film. So I can ask you two, who's gonna play you in the film, right? Danny DeVito, probably the midget. Danny DeVito, no, he's been taken <laughs> by someone. He's gone. Um, who he's gone, and then you're in the same. I tell you what it is, it's Eddie Jones the movie and you're in it. So who's playing you and who's playing Eddie Jones? Well, I reckon that um Kimura Morrison who did the um The Brighton Miracle. He actually I thought he took Eddie off quite well there. He, All right. Um, he, he was actually very good in it. I'm not sure if you've seen it. If you haven't seen it, it's quite a good movie actually. Is it about the um the when he yeah, was with the Japan beat, team? Yeah, when he beat South Africa in the World Cup. Actually, that that oh, film's been made now, is it? It's, it's released and everything. Yeah, it's been released and it's yeah, oh. it's not a bad film actually. What's it called? The Brighton Miracle, yeah. I heard they were making it, and uh, I told my agents, I was like, "Look, you need to get me a part in that in that movie because you know I'm big That's and I'm an Eddie actor." Jones. But mm-hmm. yeah, as Eddie Jones, yeah, of course, Sean, well done. <laughs> <laughs> the only one you could play is Adam Jones. Yeah, and unfortunately, he wasn't playing. So, <laughs> who's playing you? Come on! Oh Christ, I'm terrible with names of actors. 
terribly. Zac uh, Efron. That's too, that's too flattering. Get take your spoon away from him, will you? <laughs> All right. Uh, I tell right. you, like I don't have Danny DeVito. It's gotta be short. And fat. All right. Okay. You're, <laughs> you're not fat, mate. You're not fat. Oh, brilliant. I, I'll brilliant. say to, I'll say Tom Hardy for you, Joe, and I'll say Danny DeVito for Eddie Jones. Because <laughs> <laughs> Tom's quite short. <laughs> <laughs> mate, we uh, we won't keep you too much longer because we're recording this on a Sunday night and you're giving up uh, your time. I know you're a busy man and uh, your family are away, so. Um, maybe we could sound off by just reminiscing a little bit about uh, the times we worked together at both the Ospreys mm-hmm. and the Scarlets. Fond memories, fond times. I mean, what what are your recollections of those days, mate? Um, Ospreys, um, like winning the league in Dublin was epic. Especially considering, like, you know, obviously what happened in the middle of the year and things like that. And then, I, you know, the thing that sits vividly in your mind is that the first conversation that I'm pumped up in front of everyone and, basically said we're going to stand on the podium and stick a middle finger up to everyone because, you know, that's what we were about. And um, it was actually in the picture of the when the boys on the podium, you can see Assy sticking a middle finger up his class. Oh, yeah, I've never seen that. Go back and look at it. You can see there's a picture of Assy, like, um, at some point, like, you know, they take, like, five or six pictures. I found one that Assy's got his middle finger up his class. Wow, that is um, fun. Like, other than that, like, the Wembley was special. Like, yeah. um, against Saris, there's... Nothing I'd ever experienced before, especially at club level. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I think like <clears throat> you talk about like the candidness of of the meetings that we used to have and stuff like that. You know, you go in there, and I remember my first meeting in the in the coaches' room, that disgusting building in Landarcy, and it was just like that was an eye opener because like you know I was quite new in well, it was my first head role as well. So it's it that was that was special. It was good. I learned I learned a hell of a lot about myself and. You know about how to deal with different coaches, and you know Jono's. Um, he's a character. Tandy's a character. You're a character. Humphrey's a character. There's, you know, there's so many different sort of different types of people in one room. It was just fascinating. But um, and Scarlet days probably like working with Simon. You know his first sort of head coach role. You know Mark Jones and Danny. You know very young coaching team, new dynamic. All had various different ideas on how the game should be played, but then, you know, first year come together, made the playoffs. It was a huge, huge achievement, really, considering where they'd come from. Um, but then there's a couple of games that stick in the mind, like Quinn's away, beating them in Europe. Again, nobody gave us a chance. And Geordie scored that little try down the touchline. Connor O'Shea was going nuts about it. Like Munster away that year, um, first time we beat them in seven years, in, in, um, it was over in Cork. That was massive. And then, well, Claremont and Claremont away. Yeah. Like, what a place. What a place what, to go and watch rugby. We got absolutely pumped because Stodds got sent off just before yeah. our time. But it was, like, I remember saying to Mark, you had um, uh, Wayne Barnes was the referee. And, you know, obviously, I have the referee in my ear. I couldn't hear him. But, you, you know, and it's cranked up to the max. And you just, all you could hear is the crowd chanting. It was like, wow. It's, it, Kyle, it's bucket list, mate. If you ever get a chance. Go to Clement to watch Clement to watch a particularly European game. It's a fervor that you must experience, and it's the best club atmosphere I've ever ever been to. Uh, unique, unique. Listen, mate, we run out of time. Um, thanks so much for coming on the Tuesday Club. You're you're a ledge. We're so proud of you, even though you are working for England. Uh, you know you're doing a great job. We wish you all the very best, all the success moving forward, unless it's against Wales. Okay. Um, <laughs> 
But thanks for joining us on the Tuesday Club, Joe Lewis. Right, you're a ledge. Thanks very much. Thanks, pal. Cheers, boys. Cheers, man.